I'm not the house of cards that falls down easily. Ooh, I'm strong enough to handle what you throw at me. Welcome to Mental Health News Radio. I'm your host, Kristen Sunanta Walker. Just what are we going to discuss? The intimacy that is mental health. Let's continue to make it as comfortable as discussing brain health or heart health. This show has been on the air for several years and we have amazing co-hosts. And then we created a network of podcasters on mentalhealthnewsradionetwork.com, a place where every possible facet of mental well-being can be talked about openly. My show, after several hundred interviews, the format is this. Intimate, deep, funny, touching, sometimes uncomfortable, but always vulnerable conversations with interesting people. The goal is to have you, our listening family, many of you who have become my good friends, feel as though you are listening in on private conversations. Thank you for tuning in and becoming part of this amazing journey with me and now with our network of podcasters. Just knowing this podcast might be helping any of you realize you are not alone on this journey called being a human being makes doing this podcast worth every second. Hey everyone, Kristen Sinanta Walker here, and I am here with my co-host, Dave Ballenberger. Hi, Dave. How you doing, Kristen? I'm doing good. We're doing our mental health business show, and I'm excited about our guest. We have Major Kendall Matthews, who is the executive director of the Salvation Army Indianapolis Harbor Light Center. So, Major, thank you so much for coming on the show. Oh, thank you very much. It's a privilege to be on the show today. We look forward to a very informative conversation uh, about the work of the Salvation Army and uh, its impact on the mental health field. Great. Fantastic. See, I didn't. You can do your own intro. I didn't even need to say anything. That was perfect. Okay, you just, I'm, I'm following your lead now. So you just, <laughs> well, I'm going to turn this over to Dave because you all know each other so well yeah. that I can tell that there's a lot of inside joke stuff with the two of you. <laughs> so, Dave, the mic is yours. One of the reasons I wanted to have uh, Major Matthews on the show is because now, I've been working with um, the Salvation Army in Indianapolis now for a bit, and I find it very interesting as to how the Army goes about its business as far as helping people with substance abuse problems. And I wanted the Major to talk about that and the philosophy of the Army as far as that goes. And I also found it very interesting in terms of how they pay for things. And um, and since this is about the business of mental health, um, maybe if the major could just talk about that a little bit um, as far as what goes on and a little background about himself. So could you tell us something about yourself first, major? Well, thank you very much. I am a native Detroiter. I grew up uh, on Seven Mile and Schaefer, the northwest side of Detroit. During a very interesting time when the community at that time was 85% Jewish. So it, we've, you know, I play ball at the Jewish Community Center, Star Bakery, Farmer's Eat Fruit Market, all these familiar landscapes uh, of the northwest side of Detroit during the 60s, 70s. And, um, and so went to Mumford High School, played basketball, really involved in athletics, but found a passion for people, 
working in my uncle's store on Grand River in Wyoming, uh, Matthew's Party Store. Wonderful time there where I learned a lot about working with the public and working with people. And since that time, those years were very formative for me that helped uh, lay a foundation for where I'm at today and working with people fighting addictions and working in the ministry of the Salvation Army. Yeah, that's um, that's interesting. I, I knew you were from Detroit, um, which I know we like to get you back here once in a while. I know yes. you enjoy it. Um, yes. But uh, could you tell us a little bit about the philosophy of the Salvation Army in relationship to helping people with substance abuse and mental health issues? Well, the Salvation Army, with Salvation being our middle name, we're really about helping to save people, not just their soul, but to save them from the disparities and the problems of addiction. And one of the ways we do that is offering them a way out, offering them opportunities to have their faith restored, to have their lives restored by uh, faith in a higher power, faith in God. Because we're the Salvation Army, salvation being the key word, there's a holistic approach that we have to problem solving. And my philosophy has always been, you know, let's, let's try to teach a man how to fish, how to bait the hook so that he might feed himself for the rest of his life. We deal with the issue and the problem that people have, and then we hope that from that dealing with that problem, whether it's addiction, whether it's hunger, whether it's homelessness, whether it's needing a midnight basketball program on the east side of Detroit on Gratiot and, and, and French Road or Harding, then we do that. We try to address the problem and then once we feel like we've done that, then we feel like we can um, provide them with a stronger hope and a faith in God. Major, what do you think or uh, what do you see as some of the challenges that um, you're having to face in terms of continuing to deliver services with the changes that we're seeing in, in, in the behavioral health system and how, um, how things are getting paid for and how treatment is being done? Well, I think one of the issues we have here is is our funding sources. You know, we're 85% funded by government funds, whether they're state, local, or federal. They're, they're government funds. And being uh, having a budget uh, of several million, and 85% of that is from the government, and considering the whole issue with the government being shut down, our services were not shut down. And I think that um, financially, we're trying to fish and trying to recruit individuals, funders, who really have an interest in what we're doing here. But I think one of the problems we're seeing is being so heavily dependent upon government funds. When we think about addiction, we think about our residential treatment or our withdrawal management program or our transitional housing or our intense outpatient services, our IOP, all these services uh, are services needed for those who are fighting this opioid epidemic that's really crippled sections of our community, not just here in Indianapolis, but all over the country. And the Salvation Army services have always been 
ones that the community can depend on, whether that's in a disaster, whether that's helping out someone um, in the church services or sending the kid to camp or whatever it might be. But the addiction part of it has really increased. We've seen our numbers pretty much increase here in the last several months because we've seen them go up higher and higher with that. Major, do you think that, um, I know it's a problem with a lot of agencies in that yeah. and programs that they're funded, you know, just like you, substantially by state, government, federal government. And what happens is, is that those people who give you the money think that they know how to treat people and then tell you how to run your program. Are are you seeing that at, at your program? Well, you know, we're seeing some of that. You know, there are standards that um, that the Department of Human Services have on our program that I think uh, help to align us properly um, on one hand. But on the other hand, uh, there there are some changes that potentially can can be, you know, near catastrophic if we're unable to uphold those standards. Mm-hmm. It's one thing in putting a standard out there. It's another thing if we're unable to meet that standard and then our funding is based on meeting the standard, standard, and let's say, for example, we don't meet it, then that part of the funding will be taken away, which could be 50% of the funding or which could right. be mm-hmm. 80% of the funding. Then then what is what is the program goal if agencies are unable to meet these high standards based on Medicaid or Medicare or just based on uh, a level of um, proficiency, then I, then our program could really be in jeopardy. Let me, let, me, let me jump in, because this always confounds me. Um, let's say, you know, you don't meet those standards. So is, is the policy that you would then not be paid for services you've already rendered? Well, if if we're unable to be uh, reimbursed for funding, mm-hmm. then uh, that program could be jeopardized because we can't go back and ask for funding. We have to always try to maintain a level of staying current mm-hmm. okay. for us. If a person comes in and and they don't necessarily um, apply for recovery works dollars, for example, and and if if they don't apply for that, then our fees are so low, where you know it, it, it's four hundred and fifty dollars for fourteen days of residential treatment. Wow. But then on the other hand, it 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 costs us much more than that. Yeah. When we think about the staffing. So if we don't have the funds, then we're going to have to think of other ways creatively to either bring in new programs that can help mm-hmm. um, compensate. Or if mm-hmm. we have to eliminate, then we have to compensate in other areas of right. programming that the Salvation Army can offer. Maybe that's women's services. Maybe that's youth services if we're having problems in maintaining uh, funding for our addiction services. Well, I've seen yeah, it that happen. Makes any sense. Yeah, and I've seen it happen with agencies where they 
have provided services and they've billed for those services and then there's a change they don't meet a requirement or you know there's some kind of change that happens and then they literally don't get reimbursed for services mm -hmm. that have already been provided so now they can't even they didn't even have the opportunity to change things up yeah mm -hmm. and, and that yeah. Right, and right. Yeah, absolutely. And you know that is utterly frightening. Sure it is. Sure. And you know, that's one yeah. of the things that we are concerned about moving into the future. Not just the Salvation Army, but several mental health service providers are not questioning but having some reservations on these standards that they're asking us to uphold because and then on one hand, we say we got the standards. On the other hand, we say there's an opioid epidemic. We just, we just want to help people. But we want to nice. do it in a realistic way and in a way that, you know, we're not maintaining an unreachable standard, but we're not putting lives in jeopardy either. Yeah, and I think what's going to happen is the system moves closer to value-based payment where you're going to have to demonstrate that whatever you did worked or had some effect on that on that particular consumer, um, it's going to become more difficult, I think, uh, in terms of service delivery. And programs, you know, they're not going to give you more money because the whole purpose of value-based payment is to save money um, or not spend as much money or spend the same. But yet you're going to be expected to to meet these standards in relationship to treatment. And so it right. becomes real critical that whatever your program design is uh, fits around that, and that you you know you you do things that you can definitely prove improvement, and you have to be careful of what you decide to do. And then the other part of that is you know I've seen this too. I've done it in the past, where you stack program upon program in order to have yeah. enough money to run the whole program. Mm -hmm. So pretty soon, nothing's very effective. Um, right. Absolutely, because because right. all, all you're really doing is trying to make money. Well, you know, and you know what's measurable is one thing, but what's realistic is another thing. I think that mm -hmm. when we're determining measurable goals, they have to be simple goals. We can't, you right. know, I mean, we think we can save a life, but but and and transform a life, but that. That's a process, and that's one of the reasons why we've teamed up with uh, Next Steps Solutions. It, it, it's in an area so that our electronic medical records system might provide us, you know, the opportunities of measuring our goals and objectives as it relates to treatment. So we're encouraged on that end, although uh, Medicaid and Medicare they're looking more towards measurable outcomes and goals as well. Mm -hmm. And everyone wanting to know how you're measuring this and how the lives being changed, we can get caught up in that, wrapped up, tangled up, and tied up in that. And what happens to the person who yeah. is suffering yeah. from the opioid crisis? While we're trying yeah. to yeah. say what's measurable, lives could be lost. No, you're right. So I think that's, yeah. You know, that's one of the things we're working on is that the, the program becomes more about function, the functionality right. of the person instead of their diagnosis. Right. Um, you know, they're diagnosed with something. Okay. 
Now, how does that affect their functionality and what can the program do to improve that? And of course, right. the, the consumer has to have buy-in too. They also have to participate in it uh, for a long time. And it still is this way that, you know, consumer comes in, uh, you do your magic, and at the end of it, they're supposed to be better. And they really didn't do too much um, except participate. So I think some of that as we go down the road will need to change too uh, in relationship what the expectations is of the, are of the consumer and what they're going to do to get better by working with you. Mm-hmm. Yes, absolutely. And I think, you know, when we talk about um, uh, measuring outcomes, we really have to take a look at how many lives are being lost. I mean, every day to this epidemic over the last three years. And, and all of a sudden now, funding sources are saying, okay, we want measurable outcomes. Well, this just doesn't happen overnight. There has to be a mm -hmm. grace period. There has to be a time period where we're given to get our ducks in a row, our clinical ducks in a row. That's going to take time. And any funding source asking us, you know, that they, they want us measurable outcomes, how we're going to determine that, how we're going to track that, we can tell you how we're going to do that. But we're going to need some time after that to generate the kind of data that's going to help us say we've been successful in this area or maybe we need to strengthen this other area. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's just not going to happen overnight. No, you're absolutely right. And, um, you know, those grace periods are where you get a chance to develop those things. I don't hear too much conversation about that. Um, yep. All I hear is we're going to change and we're going to pay you differently. And right. if you if you don't measure up, uh, we're going to come and ask you for the money back. And see, um, and, and, right. And and you'll if and 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 for me, I'm going to say, well, the Salvation Army's been around since 1949, doing addiction services since 1949. I'm going to say to the community, how fair is that? How right. fair is that then to take an organization that's been serving a, the addiction community since 1949, and, and now we're saying, well, then here we are in 2018, 19, and we're asking for these measurable goals and outcomes. You really haven't given us the opportunity to prove that we can or can't do it. I don't think it'd be fair for us to lose any funding uh, as it relates to not giving us the time to show that we can. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. Um, but yet that's something that the providers um, need to get organized and, and go after. Um, absolutely. Because, because they will pick you off one at a time. Um, because one of the other things I see happening too is, and I was told this by a Blue Cross Blue Shield executive, that if we, if we need a certain piece of program and there's 18 people that are providing 18 programs, we're only going to buy from two or three. And the other 15, I guess they'll be gone. Well, and uh, it's not as if we don't need those programs. But, um, you know, the idea here, and that's where providers and the provider community uh, need to get organized on this. Absolutely. Absolutely. It, it, it you know, this this sort of thing is, is could be disheartening because lives will be lost, not transformed, 
while we're bogged down in bureaucracy, bogged down in in in, in goals and outcomes. A part of the goal and outcome should be, um, you know, helping it helping a person get through detox or, or withdrawal management. How do we put a measurable outcome on withdrawal management? If if they go to the next area, if they are clean for a number of days, you know, I. Some of the funding sources and funding providers have to understand that the, we need to be given time here. We need to be given time to, 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 to shift as the policies are shifting, and that is the shift is going to be more than 90 days to, um, because yeah. we need time in order to measure whether or not we're effective. We know we've been effective because... You come to our facility, and I would say 85 to 90 percent of those who go through our withdrawal management program go on to residential treatment, or they complete the withdrawal management part, which is three to ten days. So now, what's the success rate? What? How do we measure that? I mean, we measure that clearly by saying, okay, how many, how many people out of ten finish the program? You know, in the last ten days. Well, and also um, the fact that, I mean, now, finally, I mean, people, it's not like people have been saying this for years, but there's much more awareness out there now uh, in the public about, well, it's a, it's a lifelong struggle. It is not a, oh, yep, you just go to treatment in 30 days and then you're cured, quote unquote, you know, so how do we measure that as well in terms of, uh, you know, how does that fit into the measurement management when we know right. that this is a lifelong disease, that people, that it is a disease and that people will go through recovery programs multiple times right. um, and might have great periods, uh, years right. even, where they are sober and then relapse. Where, relapse what, is a part of recovery. Exactly. So how, how in the heck do you fit that into some kind of a, a measurement? Well, and, and see, that's that's my point. If 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 that's not a part of the measuring mm-hmm. or the determined measurable outcomes that relapse is a part of recovery, then my goodness, we're going to lose thousands, of, hundreds of thousands of lives are going to be lost. Because what about, if, yeah. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Because if the program is not there, let's say for some reason, Harbor Light Center, for some reason we lose any part of our funding, then um, that what are those people going to do? Where are they going to go? We usually get the people who really can't afford to go anywhere else. They they can't go. They don't. If either they don't have insurance or they do have insurance, but they've just recently signed on. We'll take them, and we'll still serve them. Where are they going to go if they don't have any other alternative? That's my point. Their lives are going to be lost. Yeah, and you know what I'm curious about? So let's get to the origin of this whole different mode of of payment. Because I always like to find out, you know, who the heck puts these statements out? What is the organization that puts these statements out that, this is what's going to happen. And so who is that? Where do we, where do you hear that this payment change is going to, um, you know, who, who's the organization that told you that's what's going to happen? 
Well, it is a part of the Affordable Care Act. Okay. And there's portions of that that are still actually a lot of it. <laughs> Even I know the president says something different, but um, there's still a lot of the Affordable Care Act left, and it was written in. Um, it was written in when President Obama uh, developed the Affordable right. Care Act. I'm right. sure he didn't okay. think it up, but um, I would say Medicaid, particularly yep. okay. Medicare. Okay. Um, more Medicaid than Medicare. Because and so Medicaid, Medicaid is, is an entitlement. And because it's an entitlement, you know, they have, they have to put forth the money. You know, okay. So, um, so it gets, it gets put out as information that gets delivered to the, you know, community via email, via initiatives, whatever. Someone's paying attention at behavioral health organizations that read this and go, oh my gosh, a change is going to be made. But is there also a, and here are the classes that you can take direct from the horse's mouth on how this is going to work, how you need, what you need to do in order to bring this into your organization. I mean, does that happen? I'm trying to give well, people like that. I, I tell you, if those existed, I would have already taken them. <laughs> right. Um, that's, that's why I'm, I'm bringing this up for uh, on purpose yeah, because, because it's because like, how it, the it, hell it, do you know what to there. do? It's not there. Yeah. Right. You know, and part of what you're facing too, and this is just a part of, you know, if you go over to the local graduate school where people are studying to get their master's in social work, I guarantee you nobody's talking about value-based payment, and it's no longer our treatment plans are going to be based on diagnosis. They're going to be based on functionality, and here's how you write a functional treatment plan. There's nobody talking about that. No. So, you know, you, so you, you get a lot of social workers out there who they don't believe you. Yeah, they don't believe it, but them not believing is not going to stop uh, the bureaucracy and, and, the, and, right. and the change is coming. The change is here upon us. We're, we're seeing time after time after audits from uh, human services, audits from family services, that we're beginning now to see the questions are now being asked. Determine measurable goals and outcomes. How are you going to track them, uh, attract them, and uh, or, or track them? And so those questions are being asked right now. And is it fair for those questions to be asked right now? Well, we're 75% into the game. That's going to be the issue. And I, and I keep saying this, but lives potentially are going to be lost to this addiction if, in fact, that our leadership, no matter the White House, State House, Courthouse, Whatever house there is that they're occupying, it doesn't understand that 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 lives are literally hanging on the balance here, and that the changes might even impact it negatively because enough time hasn't been given to the agencies and organizations to get caught up. They want us to get caught up with something that we really need time, and and. Uh, time is clearly of the essence here. Yeah, I know. I, I, I find it interesting here. I, I have a good friend who's the CEO of Community Network Services, which is a large organization in Oakland County. And when I talk to him, he tells me it ain't going to happen, that there's always going to be fee for service. And I look at him like, 
you got to have a kid. <laughs> it, it, yeah. It's changing. It's just changing around you, um, and it's going to change without you. Um, you know, and if you want to put your agency at risk, then don't believe it's going to happen. But um, it's going to happen. And, oh yeah. Uh, so, uh, but I, I think you know, Major Kendall, I think you're absolutely right that there needs to be time to get ready for this because that's right. You've got you've got provide you've got people who work in your programs who need to understand the difference and what needs to happen in a program that's not happening today to meet those standards. Right. And, 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 right. and that's a major that's a major that's a major challenge. It is, it and is. it's also part of, I mean, it doesn't just affect the, the treatment side of it. It affects, I mean, it affects so many things, but it also affects every vendor. You know, I mean, think of the EHR vendors and how now they've built their applications in order to bill the way that is approved now, the way to do treatment mm -hmm. plans that is approved now. They mm -hmm. need to know and have time to, okay, we've got to reprogram our system to, you know, make up for these changes. And what's difficult too about that, I mean, that of course is there, but it's with so much going on with our current administration in terms of our government and where they sit in terms of mental health care. I mean, one of our podcasters um, on the network, Dr. Paul Meyer, is on the council for um, this current administration's mental health initiative. And he sits on these meetings and talks about, you know, this with the president and with a, a lot of other people that are part of this council. And with all of the changes and what this administration will support with mental health and what they won't and how they see addiction and how, what they'll support and that they could completely wipe out what the president before made an initiative. It's a, I, I almost used a bad word that I got from a Clint Eastwood movie, but it is, mm. a, it is messed up. Oh, yeah, uh, it, it, yeah. <laughs> it really is messed up. And, and uh, Salvation Army historically has always been there to meet human need without discrimination, without economic discrimination, without cultural discrimination, uh, we are reaching out to people. But this addiction, uh, the direction I think some of the lawmakers are moving into and some of the other entities are moving into is they may be asking for these measurable outcomes, but the goal is uh, we can't get caught up. And we, we need history. We need time. I, that's been what I've been promoting since I've been here because it's just not going to happen overnight, and we don't want to uh, cut off our foot here or, or cut off the supply of services to long-standing agencies like the Salvation Army because of unrealistic goals and unrealistic um, outcomes that we really haven't been given enough time to explore. Kristen, uh, I think um, <laughs> I think the I major so... candle just closed the show. <laughs> exactly. I know there's so much to discuss. I I think you know for listeners that are tuning in, yeah. uh, this you know we're just trying to get you to understand what what our mental health substance use disorder 
um, agencies and organizations are, are having to deal with their own struggles internally. And for those of you that are providers in our agencies, um, we are going to, this is why we created this show. We want to be able to have these conversations and get answers for you if we possibly can, if there's anyone that'll give us answers. Um, so we'll, you know, we'll continue to talk about this because right now it seems like no one it's kind of like this. When you call an insurance company, let's say Blue Cross, Blue Shield, I'm not saying this is what they do because I don't certainly don't want them to get upset with me, but it's it's kind of like this. When you call Blue Cross and Blue Shield in order to get their benefits, you know, their explanation of benefits so that you as an agency know what it is you can bill for and what the patient has to cover, even their recording before you get to a person is we can't guarantee any of the information that we're giving you. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's what it's like finding right. out how we're supposed no. to build. No, that, yeah, that, that's absolutely right. <laughs> you know, and I think at some point uh, for the Salvation Army at Harbor Light, that there's going to come a day when certain people on the staff are going to have to be paneled with private insurance companies so that their services can be billed for. Uh, in terms of particularly in the outpatient clinic um, and even somewhat in the residential program, but really an outpatient. And, um, you know, and, and that's just going to become a fact of life. And But the whole paneling process is like, I remember when I ran outpatient clinics, it really wasn't that hard, but it, it's gotten difficult for a reason um, because they, they don't want a lot of people paneled. But... Right. Um, you know, so, but that is something that's going to need to happen at some point um, for survival, honestly. Uh, you know, in terms of being able to get your staff paid for and what you do. And, you know, you can run a program with a certain number of staff, but you do have to have a certain number of people on that staff who truly understand the theory and practice of treating people with substance abuse problems. Um, and that does require some education. So, you know, those folks don't come, you know, they expect to get paid like everybody else. So I think that's just a part of it, too, and what's going on. Um, it's world's changing uh, when well, I start. It's yeah. changing a lot. And um, can we meet the challenge? I think so. But um, I do agree with, with Major Kendall that there needs to be some time for people to get geared up, get ready, mm -hmm. and, and then be expected to produce. And they're not being given the time. Um, you're expected to reduce, produce now, this minute. Um, and, see that's, and, 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 and let me jump in and say that is uh, not professionally fair, nor is that um, helpful to those who are trying to get their life back in line. Yeah. We need time. Absolutely. Absolutely. And we need time to do this. The Salvation Army has always been about soup, soap, and salvation. Soup to try to <laughs> fill up a person's stomach, soap to clean up the body, and salvation mm -hmm. to save the soul. Mm. And in between those three areas, recovery is, that word recovery is in between soup, soap, and salvation. That's right. Oh, now that was the ending See, of the show. <laughs> this is one of the reasons I like working. This is one of the reasons I'm enjoying working with uh, the major in the program so much is because uh, they never give up. Uh, 
I, you can't. I, I don't hear I don't hear any crybabies. I mean, nobody yeah. nobody's given up, and no. they're ready no. to jump in, and uh, jump in with both feet. So, mm. I I love that personally because I get to go out and work with people a lot who don't want to do that. Yes. Uh, so it's quite it's quite refreshing when I go down to visit. Well, Major, thank you so much for agreeing to come on the show. I know you're a busy man, so I really appreciate it. My pleasure. I hope you'll come on again. Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I wanted to get that confirmation. I definitely want to come and be a part. Kristen and I are going to put together a panel. Then we're going to do this show with a panel of people, and I want you to be on the panel. Oh, yeah. Okay. Um, so we can have some conversation between uh, maybe three or four folks who do the same thing yeah. you do um, and get all their opinions together. So did you know we were going to do that, Kristen? I had no idea, but it sounds great to me. All right. Uh-huh. So I'll, I'll get working <laughs> on that. But uh, All right. Well, thank you, Major Kendall. Thank you both. And thank you to our listeners for tuning in to our mental health business podcast, The Business of Mental Health, which includes addiction. They're all under the same umbrella. They're not two separate. They're two separate things, but they're under that same umbrella. But um, thank you to our listeners for tuning in and we will catch you next time. Without good intentions, I heat up and act on my emotions. Thanks so much for listening to Mental Health News Radio. Our podcast can be found on iTunes, Stitcher, and hundreds of other podcast apps. Or you can visit our website at mentalhealthnewsradio.com. If you have a question or would like to be a guest, become a podcaster on our network, or join the amazing organizations that help keep us on the air, please email us at info at mhnrnetwork.com. Get ready for that special goodbye from our resident therapy dog, Miles, and a special thanks to Emily Sohn for letting us use her incredible song, Cordial, for our podcast music. Listen to the full song on SoundCloud at emily.sonne. Don't be surprised when I don't hate on you. After all we promised, we'd be Good boy. Okay, that was that was fantastic.